Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. I wanted to share um, a profound sense of gratitude I have uh, for our church family. Uh, I had a a very large financial need um, that that some, I understand some folks in the church got together and uh, took care of that. And um, Tyson called me uh, beginning of last week and let me know that this, uh, this, this major, major financial obstacle for, for, for me, for my family, had been taken care of. And so I just wanted to express my profound gratitude uh, to you all. I don't know who you are, um, and uh, I probably will never be allowed to find out. So I'm going to say it this way. Just thank you so much. Uh, Tyson told me I started blubbering and crying like a, like a little girl. No, I'm just kidding. Can't say that. No, but uh, yeah, thank you so much. Um, we feel loved and blessed by this church. I'm glad that it's the culture of our church. Um, I'm glad that even though we, we really do live it, um, Amy and I lead by example of trying to be ridiculously generous. Our church, our, our church family, our leadership team, they are, they are hilariously generous people. And I'm glad that that's the norm here. And I'm glad also that it's still surprising when it happens. I think it's so good. And we just, you know, you can't outgive God. You can't outprovision what he's doing. And what an exciting thing that is for us. Um, I wanted, I am going to share this. I didn't share it in the first service, but when Tyson called me on Monday, he had actually called and texted me. I hadn't, I didn't have my phone because Monday's kind of sort of my day off. Um, as, as a habit, I try to not have my phone with me for church things on Monday. Um, we were watching The Chosen. And if you haven't watched The Chosen, get the app, watch The Chosen. That is, that is the Jesus. They did Jesus right in The Chosen. It's great. Uh, but it's the part of the story where um, Simon Peter and his brothers, they've been out fishing, and the, 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 the context is they actually have a tax debt to pay. And, and uh, they come into this ankle-deep water on the shore. Jesus borrows their boat so he can preach. Um, and then they're still standing in this, like, shin-deep water, and Jesus says, cast your nets on the other side. And they're like, nah, yeah, right. And of course, you know the story, the, the, the nets are filled, and it was cool, because they did it in no water, like there was ankle-deep water, and, the, and they, they just about tipped the boats over trying to haul the fish in. I love it, my kids are watching it, I'm just reminded of God's provision, his miraculous provision in our life, and I look at my phone finally, and Tyson has texted and called and said, you need to, you need to call me when you get a minute. So I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. So I go up to my room, I call Tyson, Tyson drops on me this great news that there has been provision for a huge need in our life. And I just, I said, Lord, thank you for that moment downstairs. And thank you for this reminder that you are providing, you are taking care of things um, that we have no hope of having control over. God's good. He's good. And I'm amazed by him again. Um, Today for the message, we're still in the series Life to the Full. Next week, Pastor Amy's going to be sharing with you. Um, But today... I am talking with you about benevolent detachment. Benevolent detachment, we're going to get into it. Um, and I wanted to remind you, I, I think I played this last week, but I'm going to read this little excerpt again from the introduction of John Eldridge's book, Get Your Life Back. He says, the problem we have is that we are sipping God instead of drinking great gulps. That's the problem we have. You know, and the reality is, is we are living right now in the depth of likes and swipes and clicks. And even in the church, I feel sometimes like I look out at church 
and again, not, not to single any one out, but at the, at the church, the body of Christ, even generations, and I see that we're only as deep as a puddle. That's, that's what I see. And a puddle is just not enough, is it? I want, I want more depth for your life. I want more depth for my life. I want more depth for, for our church. I want more depth for every person drawing breath on this earth. I want more depth for all of us. And, um, you know, we, we're fooled because with social media and the world we live in today, context has kind of gone out the window. Because you can actually take your phone now and take a picture of a puddle and actually make it look like a mountain lake in pristine settings. I mean, it's crazy. Context is, is not what it used to be. And how do we know what to believe? How do we know if the perspective is accurate? How do we know if we're accurate in choosing the perspective we take on an issue? And more and more, we, we read about COVID. We read about what the government is doing. We read about all these different things. And you can't know who's telling the truth. You can't figure out who's on the right side of good and who's on the bad side of evil. I mean, it's an impossible task. Who do you believe? What your trusted friend posted on Facebook yesterday might not be true. I mean, this is the time, this is the place we live in. We don't know how to feel, we don't know how to respond. And Bookface, Bookface says, no problem, just click a like button or don't click it. It's not much of a solution to helping us decide what truth is. By the way, I'm very proud to tell you that Bookface has censored Generations Church. Yeah. They said we said something negative about a word that rhymes with racines. Racines. Yeah. We didn't said anything about that. Ever. And so, I personally, and I, speaking corporately, feel privileged that we have been censored as a church. Whether they're right and wrong or doing it, I count it a blessing. Here's what happens. When they censor you, they say, because you said this, we are going to limit your reach. And I say to that, by all means, limit my reach. Limit the reach of our church. Press the seeds of the gospel deep into the dirt. Trample it. Walk on it. Pour water on it. Put manure on it if you want to. Because guess what happens when you press the seed of the gospel into the ground. Jesus comes right around whatever the blockage is, whatever the limitation is, and does whatever he needs to do anyways. So, we're going to use terms like bookface just in case it's a bot or something like that. And we don't really want to be limited in our reach. But if it happens, I'm good. It's well with my soul. Um, so with this world we live in, here is where I'm at personally. Um, I don't know how to think. I don't know how to feel. I, I really have to, you have to do lots of reading. You have, to, you have to really choose to leave some of your opinions at the door, just not to go with whatever the narrative is, whichever side of whichever narrative it might be. And um, you have to deal with people's real need. The only reason I'm on social media is really just to try to connect with people for my perspective, for my for, for, for my job, for, for what I might be able to offer, and also to stay in touch with, with you all. But, you know, it's amazing what people will post online. I am one of the most, like, 
outspoken, wear-it-on-your-sleeve people you will ever meet. I mean, week after week, right here into this microphone, I say things that make my wife and children cringe. They are uncomfortable when we come to church. Dad, what are you going to say about us today? I'm like, children, I love you. It's okay. I bless you. I love you. I'll hug you afterwards. My wife is kind of getting callous to it, but really, she's still nervous every Sunday when we preach. And um, I, I, I find that I'm, I'm appalled by what I see some people post on social media. Like, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you talked to people that way. I, I can't believe you do what you do. I can't believe you say what you say. Why on earth would you want to put yourself out there like that? And all of these things are wearing us down. They're wearing me down to the point where recently, and it was not Ed and Danielle. I've got to, I want to say that because they recently had a dog pass away. And I know that it wasn't them, but someone I'm connected to in social posted, they're very sad, distraught, their dog passed away. Here's where I'm at. I'm like, how come, never, how come nobody ever posts something about their cat dying? And my next question I ask myself is, does that make me a sociopath? Some of you know what I'm talking about. I, I like dogs, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm becoming more and more callous to the drama, the chaos, the emotional flaunting that goes on. And so we begin to miss out on real and important things. We begin to miss out on the real needs, the real frustrations of people coming out. I follow some people just to keep one eye on what's going on in our world. And some of them really annoy me. And I think, honestly, I think bad thoughts towards them. I'm like, if I ever met you in a dark alley, you wouldn't know what knocked you out, but you'd be laying on the ground. That's how I feel. Okay? I would hug them to death. Um, but recently, this, just this week, one of the people that I follow that annoy me so bad that I, I wish I could just shut them off, but the Holy Spirit never lets me just shut them off, posted, I'm so hurting. I'm so hurt. I'm so tired. And in that moment, I had to choke back my own frustration and say, Lord, I just lift him to you right now. Jesus, would you come in? Would you make it plain for him? You know, that's the reality we're living in, guys. That's the reality of our world. And so, this concept of benevolent detachment that we're going to open up today is so important to us. You know, social media issues as deep as a puddle, are draining the very life out of our souls. And it's so sad because if someone gets so out there about things that are so shallow, what happens when real life, firsthand, in-your-face pain, drains your soul or rocks your world? The answer is it, it does it completely. It absolutely empties the person out. There's nothing left. And I think maybe, sadly, that's why we see patterns of suicide leading to drug overdoses, leading to suicide, leading to drug overdose. Yeah, it's happening. Because people's souls are drained. They're no hope. They're, they're, they're empty. They're hurting. They are lost. And what they need is to be filled with hope. Now, the cynic will say that hope is meaningless, and the optimist might say that hope is everything. But followers of Jesus need to say, and this hope does not disappoint. That's the reality for you and I. It's not about hope being meaningless or hope being the simple answer to everything. The truth is that hope in Jesus Christ will not disappoint. So I want to talk to you about benevolent detachment. If you have your Bible... We're going to go to Luke chapter 5. 
I'm going to read verses 15 and 16 together. Here's what it says. But the news about him was spreading even further, and large crowds were gathering to hear him to be healed of their sicknesses, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Now this is a theme that we see often through Jesus' ministry in, or on earth. Uh, even in the most hectic moments, he goes away to a quiet place to pray. Uh, Mark 1.35 to 38, And in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and prayed there for a time. Simon and his companions eagerly searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Would someone say that for me? Everyone is looking for you. Come on, a little better. There we go. And he said to them, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> I love that. I love that, especially after church on Sundays sometimes, right? Where's Pastor Trav? He gone. He, he gone. He's asleep already. Um, Jesus says, let's go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there, for this is why I came. Now, I really do love this passage because when you read it, I realize there is a greater, more wonderful context than what just appeared at the end. And uh, at first glance, you would read it and say the context or the message here is that, well, Jesus came to preach. He said, let's go somewhere else to towns nearby so I may preach there, for this is why I came. But I want you to think about that little passage in its whole context. And let's, if I just read it again to you, they, said, they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. And he said, let's go somewhere else to towns nearby so I can preach there also. What is the... What is the complete context? What is God's heart? What is the heart of Jesus in this moment? Is that everyone is now looking for him, and that's why he came. Everyone is looking for Jesus. That's the reason Jesus came. John 12, 32 says, And if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. You guys, Jesus came to this earth for the purpose of you and I being drawn to him. And some might think that's weird. The, the, the cynical secular might say, well, what kind of a God is he if he needs people to worship him? If he needs to put himself in front of people, what, what kind of power is that? Well, let me tell you something about Humanity 101, and I watch my children do this all the time. My little niece, Maddie, you, many of you know her. She likes to come up to church when she's here during the singing, and she has both hands in the air, and she runs in a circle, and she sings, and she does her thing. And, I, we, and, we, and we love that. We love to see that in the church. Every one of your kids, we love them. I love it when your babies talk back to me while I'm preaching. They are not a problem. They are simply interacting with the Word of God, and you should know that in your soul. It's a blessing. Do not worry about that. Okay? But I love what happens with little Maddie. She comes to church and everybody, on my, on my, the whole Hanson clan, because she is the jewel of our clan right now, you know, they all want her. And so I watch my daughters and I watch my sons and I watch my Auntie Marilyn and I watch my mom and everybody's going, Maddie, Maddie, come. Hey, Maddie, come here, Maddie. Oh, Maddie, Maddie. And we do this. I watched the kids do this with Rhett in the early service this morning too. Come here, come here, come here. Everybody's pandering for the attention of this child. Why is that? Well, simple. We, we each want to have an interaction with that happy, bubbly, wonderful little person. It's the basic of relationship. If you want to have a relationship with someone, you need to go and put yourself in front of them because relationship is time over time. So you will put yourself in front of them in order to build 
a relationship. You want to hug and cuddle and kiss and squeeze because they're so cute, they're so wonderful. It won't happen unless you put yourself in front of them and say, here I am, come to me. And that's exactly what Jesus does when he comes to earth. Here I am, come to me. I've got what you need. I've got treats for you. I've got adventures for you. I have healing for your soul. I mean, you just take all the great doctrine and theology now and put it into the rest of that conversation. That's the reason Jesus came. Jesus wants connection with you. And that's why he came. Augustine says, we must empty ourselves of all that fills us so that we may be filled with what we are empty of. What are we empty of? Well, today we're empty of peace. We're empty of joy. We're empty of love in some cases. Empty of sympathy for others. But Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Someone say, and learn from me. Come on again on this side of the church and learn from me. A little better. Maybe one more time on this side of the church. And learn from me. Okay, I see what it is. There's only like three people over there. Um, that was much better. Thank you, guys. You, you know, we take Jesus at his words, but we're like, oh, come to me if you're burned. I'll give you rest. Thank you, Jesus. That's good enough. No, 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 no. Come on. Read the whole thing. Give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is comfortable and my burden is light. First Peter 5.7 reminds us that we ought to cast our cares upon Jesus because he cares for us. You see, Jesus offers humanity what it's actually looking for. Humanity is actually looking for a carefree life. A worry-free life. Now just wait, you think that sounds ridiculous in this moment, but that's because you're sitting in church in the presence of God, and these things have actually already begun to happen by nature of your relationship with God. But escapism is the reality of our society. Escapism is the reality. That's why first-person video games and virtual reality and... and uh, and, and reality TV and the chemicals we use, they're our mainstay to try and get to this place of separation from our worry, our frustration, our fear. What are we escaping from? And what are we trying to accomplish when we disappear into those storylines? Well, here's the reality. You're escaping from whatever you might think you need to escape from but you're simply filling yourself with another thing that will just clog your soul. What we're trying to do is detach. When you binge Netflix, what you're trying to do is detach from other things that are a concern to you. You're trying to get some distance between where you are and whatever it is that stresses you out. That's the reality. And those of you who think, oh, I don't watch Netflix, Pastor Trav, so therefore I am okay. No, you do it with books. 
You open books and you hide in the adventure. You hide in the story. Some people like to hide in the facts that they read. Either way, they are simply trying to detach from the things that really bother them. There are people who spend their lifetimes pursuing truth, not because they're interested in truth, but because the pursuit of truth is a distraction from their reality. Oh, that's a fact. And I watch people do it all the time. And you probably watch people do it all the time, too, if you stop long enough to look. And ironically, that can become something that's a distraction in your life that you need to detach from. (laughs) You know, I see it all the time, and it happens to me all the time. I have coaches, I have mentors, and we'll talk and you know, I'm trained by now to be able to, to know they're going to ask me the question, so I might as well just get to it, right? My coach doesn't have to ask me anymore, so, Trav, what are you thinking about? I know he's going to ask me that question, so rather than embarrass myself by being surprised by it, I simply just lead the conversation with, you know what's bothering me right now, Herb? My coach's name is Herb. And then we, we have a talk about it. And he says this profound thing to me when we're busy talking about whatever it is that's frustrating me. He asks the second great question, which is, so why is that? <laughs> like, sometimes I feel like, do you know how much I pay you an hour? <laughs> but he's right to ask because it's the right thing to do. And so we, we have some time together, and we unpack it, and we get perspective on it, and we, we learn to, Ben, you can't text me in the middle of a message. It's distracting, my friend. Are you telling me my fly's down or something? Okay, we're good then. In that case, thank you, if that's what it was. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, now I'm totally lost, Ben. Way to go, you jerk. Yeah, I know it's Coach Herb, but um, so, so we, have, we have these conversations, and what inevitably comes out of the conversation is, you know, the more I think about it, I don't really know why that stresses me out, because it shouldn't. I don't really know why that, and, and by the way, when I have these conversations with you, when I coach with you, our leaders in the church, which by the way, I do at no charge to you, and that's totally great, I love, I, I wouldn't have it any other way, um, I ask you the same question. How are you doing? Oh, da, 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 you know, and this is really hard for me. I'm finding I'm coming up against this. I don't know what to do. And I ask you the same question. So why is that? And we all come to the same place where, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know why I do the things I do. I don't know why I keep turning back to the thing I turn to all the time. I don't know why my brain wants to go that direction. Well, I want to tell you why this morning. It's because your brain is habituated to going that right direction. You've trained it. Intentionally or not, you have created neural pathways, burned neural pathways into your brain where this is how we're going to go when we encounter this problem. And um, it's a very simple thing to solve. It just takes discipline and practice and repetition and character and support. And it does take people. But what we typically do, the huge percentage of us, and and we see this in online relationship all the time, what we usually do is post something to like Bookface or wherever, and we we ask the profound question, I'm dealing with this, and tell me what I should do, or we hint at it, which is even worse in a way. But it's like asking 653 different bands to show up and play a rock concert for you. None of us would do that. 
None of us would go into a stadium and get 653 bands to show up and all play us the best song they ever played all at once. That's insane. We wouldn't do it. Yet, in the world of Google and self-help and all the things that are available to us, that is exactly what we do. We get our feelers out there. And you know, if we're going to be honest about it, mostly what I see people doing is simply looking and looking and looking until someone finally agrees with what they want to do, which is really the wrong thing. I know, we're all guilty of that. Now, I want you to know that for the sake of my health and for the benefit of you, I detach from you. I do. There are days of the week I don't think about you at all. I don't even care about you in those moments, in those times. I don't worry about you. I don't say to myself, I wonder what Ed's doing right now. I don't. I'm detached from you. That means I'm, I'm not connected to you. We're not linked up. We're not hooked up. We're, we're not together in any way. And I want to say to you, for that thing that I do, you're welcome. You're welcome. Because you know what happens if you have a leader, a pastor, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, pretty much in anyone, who doesn't have the ability to detach? You have moral failures, emotional immaturity, outbursts of anger, brokenness upon brokenness, ruined relationships, things that look healthy on the outside but really on the inside are full of death, all because of an inability to detach. So if we're detaching from, it must mean that we need to attach to something. Matthew 14, 28. This is the story of Jesus walking on the water. I always like that Jesus walked on water. To me, it's just another solitary place he went to. Nobody else was walking on the lake that day, so it was probably a good time to go. The disciples are, of course, if you know the story, in the middle of a storm, and they're worried their boat is going to sink, but they look and they see Jesus walking towards them in the storm. And they call out, Peter calls out, man of faith, Peter calls out, Lord, if it's you. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter gets out of the boat, and he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And when he began to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind stopped. I love this story but we get distracted by the miracle of the water and the walking. That's just one little part of it. The disciples are in a storm, and Peter realizes he can detach from his fear and attach to Jesus. So he does. Lord, if it's you, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come out on the water. I'm going to do it. Then come to me. Peter gets out of the boat, and so stinking cool, he walks on the water with Jesus. Awesome. 
but seeing the wind, seeing the waves, seeing what his friends posted on social media, seeing what the government might be doing, might not be doing, seeing the COVID-19 statistics. I mean, you fill in the blank. Seeing the things going on around him, Peter immediately began to sink. And immediately Jesus caught him and lifted him up and said, why did you doubt? In other words, you can think of it this way. Why did you detach from me? Why did you let go? Why did you detach from me? And I love this. Then Jesus and Peter, presumably, arm in arm, hand in hand, walk back to the boat. And when they get in the boat, the storm stops. I don't know if you realize this, but there's a greater miracle taking place than Peter walking on water. Jesus is stopping storms because people are detaching from the thing that stresses them out and attaching to him. Detachment is really easy once you figure it out. Benevolent detachment. A detachment from things that are important, important for the sake of other people's benefit. It's actually really easy to do once you figure it out. It's like unplugging an extension cord. You just unplug it. But the problem you and I face is that we are likely addicted, literally addicted to our chaos, to our emotionalism. And it might take a lot of repetition to get where you need to be because your brain is accustomed to getting dopamine and serotonin from things you see on a blue screen. Some of us are even so messed up that we actually get serotonin and dopamine from a good fight with our wife. Amy often says to me, do you just need to fight right now? Is that what you want? And I'm kind of like, oh, I guess I do. <laughs> it's because making up is such sweet, sweet music. See, I always say things. <laughs> but what is it about us? You see, we are hardwired by our choices and by our patterns, by our upbringing for sure, but our brain knows how we can get to that place of feeling some sense of relief. And the problem is, is the one who made dopamine and serotonin is around us and with us all the time, and all we have to do is step into his presence to receive all that we need. But we don't. Jesus, I feel far from you today, and you pick up your phone and you Google something. How to get closer to God. That's fine if you do it, as long as you're going to a good spot. It's okay. But guys, a relationship with God doesn't need a phone. <laughs> Benevolent detachment doesn't require you to get Dr. Phil to speak into your life. It simply requires you to learn a discipline of unplugging, of stepping out of your circumstance and your situation, to quiet yourself in his presence. And you're not going to be very good at it first. Like I said, your brain is hardwired. It's programmed, pre-programmed to go certain directions to get certain things. And it needs to be retrained by discipline. It needs to be retrained by, by repetition and practice. We need to teach ourselves and be taught to go the right places to find the presence of God and peace that passes all understanding. In other words, it's going to take some practice and some work on your part to enter his peace. 
So ask and keep on asking Him. Knock and keep on knocking. This door will open for you. You will find your way into the presence of God. If you hit the one-minute pause and you practice a one-minute pause, Jesus, right now I acknowledge you. I give everything to you. Why are 50,000 things trying to climb into my head right now during this one-minute pause? Guess what? You're normal. So I tried it again. Mr. Trevor tried it 25 times this week. I hit the one-minute pause, and everything I need to do at work rushes into my mind. Yep, because your brain is trained that way. And so the practice is not just the pause, but the prayer. Jesus, everything I have in my mind right now, I'm giving it to you. This is called an act of surrender. I surrender it to you. We think of surrender as a, as a word associated with defeat, but it is not. Surrender applies in other things, like when you come across the border. You, sur- you actually are surrendering your bags for inspection. You're not defeated. You just have to place that thing that's yours into the authority of someone else. Surrender is not about your defeat. Surrender is about you not carrying the bag. And so when we say, Jesus, I surrender this to you, we're actually not walking into defeat, but walking into a victory. So you're not going to be good at detachment at first. But can you just remember with me that when you choose to detach from things that drain your soul, social media, work, uh, that, that fight you like having with someone, your debate club, whatever it might be, your studies, the good causes that you're involved in, when you detach from those, you need to learn that it's an act of rest It's an act of surrender. It's breathing in the presence of God and breathing it back out because after all, it's His breath that's in our lungs. Surrender everything to Him. Surrender it all to Jesus. You know, we used to sing a lot more hymns in church. And I think we might start singing hymns in this church a little more often. Because as good as the songs are that we sing in terms of their vertical connection, there's a lot of songs we sing that don't teach the theology. And so this morning as I was preparing, I was reminded of that old hymn, I Surrender All. And the, the fact is, as a child, I grew up singing that song, I bet you, several times a month in church or wherever else. I Surrender All. And the choruses of hymns are wonderfully repetitious. The hymn goes, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. So I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, 
my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Some people don't like hymns because they're too repetitious. But I want to point out to you that's one of the ways you rebuild a neural pathway in your brain. There's training that happens in worship for your physical body. I want to pray for you this morning. And after we pray, if you'd like to come forward for prayer this morning, you are always welcome. We don't want anyone to leave this place the same way that they came in. We want you to be changed in the presence of God. And so if you're dealing with illness, if you're dealing with an issue that, that anything that you could possibly want someone to stand with you for, we're so happy to do it. We want to pray with you. But I want to pray for you this morning as we close the service about this. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And even if you're at home watching online, why don't you stand with us too? I think that there's, there's an act of faith that involve, that's involved in what we do. And in the same way that Peter had to stand up to get out of the boat, we can stand up in the service and say, Lord, count me in for what you're doing. Father, I thank you for every person that is standing in this room, for everyone that's joining us from home this morning. And Lord Jesus, we see that you found a way to detach yourself from the people and the pressures. We see that in your human form, your soul was drained, that it was work for you. And Lord, how can we expect to be better at it than you? So Holy Spirit, today I pray that you would lead us, that you would teach us. Today in this moment, Holy Spirit, as we pause to say, what is it that you want me to take away? What is it, Lord, that you want me to apply from what I've heard today? God, I pray that it would become so clear to us. Lord, right now, would you even put your finger on specific things for each of us in our heart? Of where we need to detach so that you can breathe life into us again. Speak to us, Lord. And Jesus, today my prayer for each soul in this room will be that we say, Lord, I surrender it to you. That as we encounter our trials, our troubles, our victories this week, that we would understand the value of separating ourselves from the things of this world and entering your presence wherever we are to breathe you in so that we can live. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the victory that you have built into our lives in that act. And Lord, today I pray that for the things we need to do this week, that you would cause our hands to be met with success, that you would help us to love people deeply and authentically in this world. Lord, fill us with who you are. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. 
For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.